Good morning. The light is bright. I wasn't sure how I was going to begin my sermon this morning. There were several places that I could take off. But first of all, I want to thank each and every one of us here this morning for the love and the compassion that you have shown and demonstrated to Shirley and me during our loss. It has been deeply meaningful to us. And I guess in some ways, where I want to start this morning is a conversation, a conversation that my son Christopher and I began approximately a year and a half before he died. He would wait until his family went to bed and he would call. And then we decided that we would begin uh, an email communication to talk about those things that were deeply embedded in our hearts. And, and so one of the things that we talked about was religion. Uh, in his undergrad work, he, his major was philosophy and his minor was religion. And he, during, during the time that he was going to high school, one of the things that he said is that, um, I'm a kid and as a kid, I'm gonna have fun. And so he did, he had a lot of fun, almost to the point where he, he didn't graduate from from high school with his class, he, he fooled around. But this kid was, was one who was smart in his own way. When he decided he was going to go to college, he made the statement again, I'm gonna have fun. And so he select, decided he was going to major in philosophy and minor in religion. And all during his undergrad and grad work, he received A's and A pluses and so forth without even thinking about what he was going to do. And so one night we had this conversation and we were talking about, we were talking about um, religion. And by the way, when he ever, got on the phone, we would, we would spend about two and a half hours. Um, and we talked about Christianity and the world religions and so forth. And one of the things he said, Dad, I, I've read the Bible through two times from cover to cover. And I always come back to one thing the red letters. And I said, what? He said, I always come back to the red letters. Everything else magnifies the red letters. And so if you just follow the red letters, 
you're going to be okay. And one of the things that he said to me was that all during your life, I think you have been following the red letters. And I think in some ways you are continually searching. And I got to thinking about that because in fact, that is the case. I have been always searching, searching for truth, searching for that which would make me know who I am. So today's reflection is about looking. It's about searching, searching for answers, searching for life's meaning and searching for a place of being. Most notably, people are searching for love and security. They seek to find answers to the meaning of life. And this is not new. This has been happening ever since humanity began. The scripture this morning tells us that there were visitors who wanted to see Jesus. They had heard of his ministry, and they had heard that he was clearly working with those who were marginalized. So what did they do? They sought an audience. They sought an audience with Jesus. And they went to his disciples. And he said, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Now, I don't know whether they saw Jesus or not. That's not the issue, whether they in fact saw Jesus or not. The point that I'm making this morning is that they wanted to see Jesus. They were clearly had a purpose in mind. And from the beginning of Jesus' life, people have been looking for him for one reason or another. His parents sought him. They're thinking that he was lost, and they found him in the temple. Found him in the temple, speaking wisely to the synagogue leaders. King Herod sought him for a different reason also. King Herod sought him to destroy him. The Magi's also looked for Jesus. And they looked for him for a different reason as well, because they had heard that the Savior was being born. And so they started looking. So each had a motive. And one of the things was very clear about their motives. The instructions that they wanted to have was to find what Jesus had to give them. Jesus had a purpose for each and every one of them. Today, people are still searching for Jesus for different reasons. Some seek him for material things that they can accumulate. And then some find him purely for religious and spiritual reasons and for their salvation. Then there are those who want a reconciled community. They want to see and make sure that God is present in their lives and in the community. So they want to make sure that injustice is eliminated. 
So who is this man that they began to look for? The question about who Jesus was have led much to research. According to the gospel, he was able to perform supernatural feats, healing diseases, resurrecting the dead. Then and now, many people see him as a Messiah, while others see him as just plainly a good man. And then there are those who see him as one who believed and, and worked at forming the beloved community. I'm not here to tell you who Jesus was. I think that is left up to you to decide who Jesus was. But what I think I'm telling here to tell you is that who Jesus is in our lives. We are taught that one of the purposes of doctrine is to establish security in relationships to our creator. We see Jesus as the ultimate manifestation of Yahweh. There are volumes of writings and research on this, who he was, and yes, who he is. Our understanding of Christianity today generally emphasizes the spiritual aspect of Jesus. Focus on the hereafter rather than the here and now. But the Jesus way was and is about rescuing people from social, religious, political, and economic harm. That's why the early followers of Jesus were called followers of the way. They were not early, were not called Christians. So, I don't know about you, but I continue to look. I continue to look about who this Jesus is. Looking for Jesus doesn't require choosing the spiritual over the material. Looking for Jesus requires a search for balance. And that's one of the things that I think that we find ourselves needing as a balance between the spiritual and the physical. Jesus wasn't about saving souls. I wanted you to hear that. Jesus wasn't about saving souls. He was about putting people in a position so that they would be understand who they were and that they were in control of their own salvation. Own salvation. So let me ask a question this morning. I'm probably speaking to the choir. Normally that's what preachers do, in fact, preach to the choir. Well, let me preach to the choir. Let me ask you a question. Why did you come to Shalom this morning? What were your motivations? I can't answer that for you. But I would suspect that ultimately our presence here is about discovering who this man called Jesus was and who presently he is. I think that's why we are here. Like the stranger who wanted to see Jesus, 
Sometimes we have to have to go out of our way to look for Jesus. The path may be unclear, but we need to focus on what's guiding us. For Jesus, spiritually centered people, looking for Jesus requires a radical biblical hospitality. It requires a reverence to personality. You see, Jesus dealt with each individual according to their personhood. He dealt with people with unbending love without condemnation. He let the person's personality condemn themselves. That was love in its depth. So our John 12 scripture this morning reveals Jesus in this context. Here's a woman brought before him who had been accused of committing adultery. And Jesus, in his presence, Look down when they ask, what do you want? What should we do with this woman? Jesus scooped down, wrote on the ground. And I would suspect that while he was down there, he picked up a stone. And he raised up and he got up. And he put his hand out with the stone in. And he says, if you are without sin, stoner, cast the first stone. Looking straight them and straight in the eye. And turning around again, he scoops down and he writes in the sand, and first of all, he put down the rock. And while he was down there, people who were gathering around to stone the woman looked around and began to leave. You see, Jesus' words didn't convince them that she should not be stoned. I think Jesus' words convinced them that they should look inward. First of all, to themselves and what they had in mind to do. And so looking and saying, what sins have you committed that your God cannot forgive, that your God cannot move out of the way? Jesus' words convicted them, and they moved away, and they left. And Jesus said to her, 
Do you see anyone around you who is accusing you? She said, no, no, master, I don't. And Jesus looked at her and says, I don't condemn you either. So get up and just go. Go. And don't commit any more sins. What he did was put a crown on her head. A crown on her head that she would constantly strive to be willing and able to wear. Constantly. Howard Thurman provides us with this reflection for us to reflect on as we look for Jesus. He says, the accusers didn't see the woman as a person, but as an adulteress, stripped of her dignity, worthless of her personhood. Jesus met the woman where she was, and he treated her as if she was already where she was entitled to be. And dealing with her, he believed her into the fulfillment of her possibilities. He stirred her confidence into activity. He placed a crown over her head, which for the rest of her life, she would keep trying to grow tall enough to wear. Then he leaves us with this burning question. And I think it's a question that all of us need to listen to. Can this attitude developed in the white heat of personal vulnerability and encounter become characteristics of one's behavior even when the trauma of immediacy is lacking? And he leaves us with saying, I think we can. You see, when we find Jesus, we care for those who are disregarded, no matter who they are. We give love and joy to others by encouraging and working to change systems that cause people to feel hopeless. Not long ago, there were two particular incidents that kind of disturbed me. Driving from Florida, I saw a man driving a truck. And he had stickers all over his truck. And the stickers were degrading everyone. It was anti-humanity. It even had the N-word on it. And then there was a sticker on it that says, got Jesus? Well, then I drove a little further 
into Georgia. And I saw a billboard that had a large picture of Trump. And underneath was a scripture that says, unto us a savior is given. Now, if I ask the question, got Jesus? When you find Jesus, what are you going to do with him? <laughs> are you going to crucify him? When you find Jesus, how are you going to love him? When you find Jesus, are you going to give him the place of reverence? I think the driver and whoever put up that billboard had some issues. But you see, for us who are followers of the way, it is in the living participation with humanity that we find our relationship with Jesus. Yes, there is a spiritual part of it as well. There is that equal balance that we are finding. But if we can't identify with humanity and the care that Jesus brought, then finding Jesus in the spiritual realm is worthless. Let me repeat that again. If we can't identify and be part of humanity, then finding Jesus in the spiritual dimension is worthless. We can talk about the foreigner who wanted to see Jesus as much as we desire. But what about us? What are we looking for when we are looking for Jesus? If we want to find Jesus, we have to put ourselves into it and know exactly what we are looking for and who we are looking for. So I ask the question to us, when might we find Jesus? Might we find Jesus defying an ordinance that forbids feeding the homeless in public places, found Jesus? 
Might we find Jesus when we are praying with individuals who are trying to rediscover their faith? Do we find Jesus when we are visiting a prisoner? Do we find Jesus when we are delivering food? Do we find Jesus when we are visiting the homeless? Do we find Jesus when we are giving ourselves and going out of our way to be a friend to those who are friendless? Many years ago, a contest was held for, ch for children who cared the most. A four-year-old boy who consoled an elderly neighbor won. Observing his neighbor crying because his wife had died, the child went up and sat on his lap. His mother asked what he had said to him. The child replied, nothing. I just helped him cry. I just helped him cry. You see, the child gave a gift of love. Did he find Jesus? Did the mother experience an act of Jesus and found him? I want to suggest to us this morning that finding Jesus is a journey. A journey that looks outward and inward. An act of Jesus found for himself. It is a, an act of discovering who God intends us to be together. Discovering Jesus or following the way is both a spiritual and human activity, transforming our lives to know that we are children of the Most High. I think Jesus is saying to those of us who are seriously looking for him, if you want to see me, follow me and join me in the disjointed and inhumane society, in your home, and even into your life. That's where you will find me. So if a stranger came up to you and said, I want to see Jesus, how would you respond? Are you looking for Jesus? If so, engage the journey. May it be so with me and with us. Amen.